0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the measure of simple truths.
1: We go to to school, we learn all these situational ethics, valid clarifications. No right, no wrong, it depends, it's up to you. And so we begin to recalibrate our conscience and all that. And all of a sudden, we're doing our own thing. And so as I come to hear the gospel, the gospel will recalibrate my conscience to that calibration. Now I'm back on track. I know what's right, I know what's wrong.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, as we get started on a brand new series in the first letter of Paul to Timothy, Pastor Xavier, you're warning, as Paul did, that false doctrine was and is all around us. Yes, it is.
1: Uh, False doctrine is high on the list within the church, not so much outside the church today. And again, the only way we can get back on track is to have that measure, that plumb line, as I stated, the recalibration of our conscience, not just enough to be moral or to be good or to be ethical, but that I be scriptural because there are a lot of things that society allows and they call it legitimate or even legal, but doesn't necessarily mean that it's ethical or moral. And so again, we have to run everything through the scriptures to find out. And that's the plumb line. You let the plumb line drop and you will be able to see the wall that's crooked. The plumb line is never crooked. And so there's a constant returning to the scriptures. When I hear something, I have to sift it through the scriptures so that my mind is in line with God. So I have the mind of Christ. And in this way, we're back on track to what God intends for our life. So that no one walks perfect, but we're constantly adjusting. Like that ship that goes across the ocean from the Atlantic to over Europe. He takes off and that captain has to readjust that course every so often because of the currents of the ocean. If he doesn't, he'll never arrive. And so the same with the believer. There's no cruise control. You must be walking day to day, making those adjustments and keeping your life in order according to the scriptures. And that's what God exhorts us and that's what we should do until the Lord comes for us. We would love for you guys to write us. We've recently received uh, an email from Denise from Spokane, and uh, we're delighted to receive and to hear that studies are ministering to them. And so if you're driving along or you're just listening at home, uh, drop us a line. Email, as Denise did, we'd love to respond to you and to be able to gauge whether we're getting good stewards of the uh, ministry and the
0: funds that God has given to us. The Lord bless you. God bless. We would love to hear from you. And as Pastor Xavier just said, this is a great confirmation that our radio outreach is a ministry to you. Now send us an email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Or write us a brief note at Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. I'll be repeating those at the end of the broadcast, so we hope you'll stay tuned as we get today's study underway titled, Why Teach the Gospel?
1: If you had a hundred bad teachers, the importance of competence on the part of each teacher is emphasized by the fact that the average elementary teacher who retires would have probably taught approximately a thousand students. The average high school teacher, probably about 5,000 Students Examining the educational ill effects of only 100 ineffectual high school teachers is quite illuminating. 50,000 American citizens would not have received an adequate education or instruction in high school. How much more when it comes to teaching the Word of God? Listen, if you didn't get a good education in high school... It only affects you now. If you don't get the proper instruction concerning the gospel, it'll affect you for all your eternity. You'll miss heaven. It's severe. It's a crisis in this world concerning truth and error. And you're the only one that can make a decision what you believe to be true and the air you embrace. But it will affect you one way or the other. Paul the Apostle, as you know, here in Timothy, had left Timothy as the watchman of Ephesus to ensure that no other doctrine would be taught except for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he urged them to stop people from teaching any other doctrine in verses 3 and 4. It's a command. Now, this was not simply a desire to control the area of Ephesus, nor to have some kind of heavy hand control of authority over people. But it was to bring about the purpose of God regarding the gospel. Often people say, You're too direct, Xavier. You're too bold. Thank you. <laughs> There's no room for any other type of teacher or preacher regarding the gospel. I never apologize for the gospel. I am dealing with eternity. I am dealing with your soul. You're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. I want to be as compassionate as possible. I want to be as sensitive as possible, but I want to make sure that when I communicate the gospel, it's with all the authority that's invested to me because eternity is on the line. Nothing short of that. And so, Paul the apostle here gives to Timothy in verses 5 through 7 a threefold purpose For such a charge to not let anybody else teach any other doctrine. Let me read this. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. A threefold purpose for such a radical charge is given here. One, to manifest God's love in people's lives, verse 5. Secondly, to mark those who miss the goal of love, verse 6. And then thirdly, to mention their intentions and qualifications, in verse 7. He lays it out right here, real simple. Let's begin here with the first. First purpose, to manifest God's love in people's lives. This is the crux of the gospel. Notice first. The foundation of love is faith. That is, actively trusting God in obedience to the gospel, not feelings or emotions. Listen to the words. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love. God is not interested in ha- having you feel good primarily. He's more concerned that you align yourself with the truth of the gospel and let your feelings catch up to the truth of the gospel, Okay? Feelings are feelings. They're deceptive. The foundation for this love to be manifested, notice, in the fear of faith that is based upon the gospel message at the end of verse 4. He tells them not to let anybody else charge to teach any other doctrine, nor give heed to seducing fables, endless genealogy, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. In faith meaning the revelation of God, the gospel, okay? So here you have... Faith is a foundation. Verse 5 is linked to verse 4. You can have no gospel unless you have faith in the revelation of God. In fact, often in the pastoral and in the epistles, the word the faith is used synonymous with the gospel in Christianity. The goal of the gospel is not to simply provide information or knowledge, but that we might walk, abide, and be filled with the love of God. Colossians, he says, put on finally the bond of love, that which holds everything together. God wants you to be a vessel of love, not simply a walking encyclopedia. The demands of the gospel is what obedience. Look at the word commandment. Commandment is a military term, and it means to give strict orders and to obey. Paul is telling Timothy. This is a divine order from God. The noun form is found also in verse 3 under the word charge. This is the warfare. There's an enemy out there. Satan is the enemy. He spreads all kinds of lies, all kinds of false doctrine. Paul says, you preach the gospel. Notice secondly, the quality of love is divine agape. It is given by God to every believer, but not every believer yields to it. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Romans 5.5, the love of God has been a shade abroad in our heart. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, agape. Everything that follows agape is a manifestation. It's singular, the fruit of the Spirit. Not fruits, not eight fruits. It's the fruit of the Spirit, agape love. But you and I have to yield to it. It doesn't come automatically. Every time I have yielded to agape love, I've never failed. Every time I have not yielded to God's agape love, I've fallen flat on my face. It's got an incredible potential. You've read it in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Doesn't boast, doesn't want itself, is not provoked at all, seeks no evil, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Agape never fails. I fail. You fail. The only other name you can put in there is Jesus. Jesus and Agape are synonymous. <laughs> never fail. It is the only motive God will honor and reward us for it. the beam of seed of Christ in 1 Corinthians 4, 5. He's not going to say, how much did you do, X? First of all, he knows it. But he's going to reward me why and how I did it. Did I do it out of love or did I do it to get attention? What's my motive? What's my heart? Of the ten times that this form, agape, appears in the pastoral epistles, seven of ten times, Faith and love appear together. You can't divorce faith and love. If you do, you're a Pharisee. You're a hypocrite. Because if you're faith in the gospel, then love will be manifested through your life. If I'm going to yield to agape love and manifest it to other people and the world, then I will have to depend upon the sphere of faith of the revelation of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not in me. I don't have it of myself. We live in a society that says you've got it in, you dig deep. Don't dig too deep. You might get sick on what you find. People say, I got to go find myself. You better hope to God you never find yourself. It's a scary find. <laughs> Paul tells the Galatians that faith is to be working by love. Galatians 5 6. It is not based upon the physical emotions or the physical or the emotional feeling. It is based upon obedience, not circumstances or situations. I do not obey because I feel like it. I obey because I love God. That's the bottom line. Any other type of love brings disputes self-love and selfishness. That's human. Notice thirdly, that the instrument of love is a pure heart. Don't miss it. The implied problem is that man has a dirty heart. Deceitful, desperately wicked, Jeremiah seventeen nine, And the word from is the word ek. It means out of, which applies to the heart, the conscience, and the sincere faith here. This is what God is after. He's after my heart to transform it. He's after your heart. And this word heart is used through Scripture as the center of man's entire mental, moral activity. The intellect. The emotions and the will. The center of man. Who you really are. The quality of the heart is said to be pure. catharsis You get your word catharsis from, or, of therapy. Catharsis therapy. You go in there, you're mad, and so they have you sprout out whatever you want and beat the bag and everything else. You feel a little better. It says, okay, now give me $100 for your session. Come back tomorrow, beat it again. But the problem is you have to beat it every day. You let the steam out of the bucket, so what? It builds up again. God wants to cleanse your heart so there's no more steam in there. He wants to get rid of it, not just release it. Only the gospel can do this. Psychology can't do that. Your own discipline to to say, I'm never going to do this again. You can't do it. It's got to be the gospel. Only the gospel can bring the solution to man's heart. You know many of the scriptures. Where will all will a young man cleanse his ways? In my heart have I hid thy word that I might not sin against you. We're born again of not corruptible, see, but incorruptible, which lives in the vice forever. It is the word of God that changes my heart. We all always want to look on the outside. You get a car that's beat up and the engine's not so good. What's the first thing you do? You fix the outside. You want people to say, Boy, that's a nice car. And you let the engine go. We love the exterior. Now, this does not happen automatically. It must be appropriate individually by faith and obedience. Only the word of God can produce God's love and purify my heart. Jesus said to his disciples in John fifteen three, you are cleansed by the words I have spoken unto you. Man, that's heavy. Do you remember you were born again? I got cleansed you and you knew you were cleansed? That peace came upon you? He said, what in the world are you guys talking about? We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the greatest news that you have ever come across, that Jesus died for you and that he rose from the dead, and he's able to change your life and heart. The good news of Jesus Christ. You say, well, but I'm, I'm a, you don't know what I've been through. It doesn't matter. It's not what you've been through. It's what Christ has been through. Christ has been through death for you. And he's risen. And he can change you. Absolutely. Notice, fourthly, the witness of love is a good conscience. The conscience Paul is referring to is not natural or more unconscious here given to every man or woman to know good and evil because it can be altered, seared, and defiled as Romans 2, 14, and 15 tells us later on Timothy 4, 2 and Titus 1, 15 says. You remember, you first started out as a little kid. The first time you went to the store, you want to rip off a baby Ruth? <laughs> sugar babies. They still sell sugar babies? <laughs> Look, big hunk. And man, it took you about 15 tries. You finally put it in your pocket. Man, when you did your heart, boom, 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 boom. You know, and when you ran, you turned the corner, you ran home. But then you got pretty good at it. Time after time, then pretty soon you just walk in. You callous your conscience. Now, the conscience that God gave you worked at first. But because you were so disciplined, so diligent as I was to sin against it, I recalibrated it to my specs of right and wrong. Paul is saying that love will be manifested only as I yield to God's love, everything else is not really God's love. Not only through a pure heart as a source, but the result is here a good conscience that witnesses regarding one's diligence to live up to the knowledge of the truth I possess. Wow. That I possess the truth of the gospel, and the Holy Spirit comes into my life, and he allows me to obey. He helps me to obey. He gives me the power. He doesn't force me. He doesn't obey for me. But He's there to encourage me. And we have a partnership going on. I yield. And He gives me the power. The word good, agathos, means perfect and kind to produce pleasure, satisfaction, and well-being. This is what God wants to do. See, I had a rotten heart before. I had a good veneer on the outside. But the bottom line, push comes to shove, I want to know what was in it for me. What was I going to get out of this? The word conscience, as you know, means to, to know truth, literally, with knowledge. The Spanish word conciencia, same thing, con, with, ciencia, knowledge, or science. And so here we are, Paul is referring to the conscience that is held captive and bound by the Word of God, reaching its fullest and truest potential. Now, we don't recalibrate our conscience to the gospel. We're in trouble. You're going down the freeway when you leave here. And you're going to be going down the freeway maybe 75. The cop's going to pull you over. He's going to say, let me see your license. You say, officer, what's going on? He says, you were going 75. I was not. Mike, I was going 65. Now, you're not lying. But what you don't know is your speedometer needs to be recalibrated. It's out of calibration. That's what happens with our conscience. We go to to school. We learn all these situational ethics, valid clarifications. No right, no wrong. It depends. It's up to you. And so we begin to recalibrate our conscience and all that. And all of a sudden, we're doing our own thing. And so as I come to hear the gospel, the gospel will recalibrate my conscience to that calibration. Now I'm back on track. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. This conscience is one with the heart without guilt. Of conviction as the work of the Spirit works through the word in me. Never perfection, but I'm always dependent on Christ. When I blow it, I confess. First John 2 1. And he cleanses me from all unrising. First John 1 8. And I stay in fellowship, man. You know why my wife, Trudy, and I have a lot of fun? We keep our accounts short. When I do something stupid, I want—I say I'm sorry as quick as I can. And if I don't say I'm sorry and if I don't acknowledge when I'm wrong, it doesn't help the relationship. It's kind of uncomfortable living with her. In the same way when it happens to her. The only way we can enjoy one another is to be truthful and pure at heart to stay in fellowship with God and each other then life is worth living. Often Paul calls witness to his truthfulness. He says, God bears me witness, I lie not. And he calls witness to his conscience in 1 Corinthians 9.1, 2 Corinthians 1.12, four two, Often. Notice fifthly here, the process of love is by sincere faith. True biblical faith is not only the foundation of love, as we pointed out but it is the very ongoing process that ensures the continuous purging of your heart and mind regarding sins, attitudes, and motives resulting in a good conscience. Is that, as I was saying earlier, is that ongoing thing. Because our heart is evil. The word sincere here means unpretentious, unhypocritical, genuine faith that is actively trusting and depending on God through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, obeying to deny self and to please God in others. Wow. That's why Paul the Apostle takes this great Roman treatise and he says, listen, you guys are not that good. The gospel is the only thing that can save us. The Russians got revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. There's the crux of Romans, and then he displays it. Chapter 1, he shows how wicked we are, the whole pagan world. Chapter 2, he gets down to the good moral pagan and says, you're guilty too. Chapter 3, he says, you, Abraham, you are guilty too. You're the golden calf. People have their eyes on you. I'm going to melt you down. Then chapter 4, he says, listen, you guys think you're righteous? You're only justified in Christ Jesus. And he establishes the beginning of chapter 5. Then in chapter 6, he says, you're members of, of your body. They're weapons to destroy you or to edify you. You have the choice now as a Christian. And then he says in chapter 7, you can live like this, under the power of the flesh, and then hopefully you'll cry out one day, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? If you do that, you'll walk in the spirit, chapter 8. If not, you'll be living a self-life in chapter 7. Then he takes a little detour in chapter 9, 10, 11. He says, don't be stupid and ignorant about it. Israel's blindness. You know, don't be boasting unless he cuts you off too. And he says, let's get to the bottom of this. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be fashioned to this world system, but be transformed, metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God, Romans 12, one and two. Wow. Why? Because we have a dirty heart. And only the ongoing power, the gospel, the spirit of God can change us. All three, a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith are possible by the new divine nature and the new man in contrast to the old man who is under bondage of sin. So 2 Peter 1, 3-4, he gives you the divine nature. You can escape the corruption of this world. You and I as Christians have no excuse. We cannot say, I cannot. A Christian can only say, I will not. I'm a child of God. I have a divine nature. I have the mind of Christ. I just don't put it on all the time. I have to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him. The order, I believe, is also in proper order. Listen. Faith trusts God to change and purify the heart, which is accomplished by the good conscience, giving evidence of unhypocritical faith by the power of the agape love. The heart is the real source. The witness is the conscience. The test of the pudding is love. One, two, three. Their length. Faith is defined and described for us in Hebrews 11, 1 and 6 faith is the substance that takes hope for it, the evidence of things not seen for without faith it is impossible to please God those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is the reward of those who what diligently seek him do you seek him diligently? on and on and on you have to do that now it doesn't come natural it comes supernatural so I have to stay in the word I want the word of God in my heart so that the Holy Spirit can have material to work with it convicts me. It keeps me in line. It manifests is love.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese clarifying the role of the Holy Spirit as the key to a successful relationship seeking the Lord. And there's much more to this study that we'll be able to share on our next get together, but if we can get a copy of it into your hands in the meantime, just get in touch and ask for the study titled, Why Teach Only the Gospel? It's available on CD for just $4. Now again, that title, Why Teach Only the Gospel? Or simply mention today's date when writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, twenty-two hundred East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California nine one one zero seven, and use that address too when sending along your comments to Pastor Xavier regarding our broadcast ministry, or jot an email to Simple Truths at ccpas dot com. That's Simple at ccpas dot com. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What's the power of love? Can it really conquer all? Join us next time as we explore just how deep and wide the love of the Father is on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese.